0: The Radical Secular Podcast. A demand for justice, equality, and rational public policy. Subscribe at YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and all the major podcast channels. Visit our website at theradicalsecular.com for articles, insights, and our complete library of episodes. Support us on Patreon, and follow us on social media.
1: Hello, and welcome back to the Radical Secular Podcast. I'm Christoph Defoe. I'm Sean Prophet.
2: I'm Liz Wilson.
1: Today's episode features a conversation between Liz and me about the Juneteenth holiday. For those of you who don't know yet, the Defoe and Liz segment is an ongoing conversation between me and my friend Liz Wilson about experiencing American life as a member of a marginalized community. I speak, of course, from my perspective as a black guy in America and Liz from her perspective as a woman in America, but the segment will also feature guests from diverse backgrounds in general. And now the goal of the Defoe and Liz segment is to elevate marginalized perspectives. The ongoing theme of this segment is marginalized folks' personal experiences and the voice of the Defoe and Liz segment is hopefully thoughtful storytelling. Since the Juneteenth holiday was just last week, today's Defoe and Liz segment features a conversation between us about the newest federal holiday. Most of us progressives get the gist of Juneteenth, or at least we understand what the event signifies, right? But how are we supposed to feel about it? Jubilant? Reflective? Should we all have cookouts or whatever? Fireworks? Stick around and find out. Liz and I are gonna be thinking about Juneteenth and we're gonna tell you about it. But of course, Since we recorded our segments, the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade literally today, in fact, the day of this recording. So we're going to lead off the episode with a 30 or so minute discussion session about how we're all processing this devastating outcome. So stick around for that. But first, I want to remind you that if you like our show to make sure to subscribe, leave a review, check out our Patreon and tell your friends to listen. New episodes post Mondays at noon Eastern on YouTube and all the major podcast channels. And you should check out our journal at TheRadicalSecular.com. The Radical Secular podcast is brought to you by Cannibal & Co., located in downtown Jersey City and at ShopCannibal.com. Cannibal, that's cannibal with a K, stocks a rotating collection of goods ranging from apparel and accessories to home furnishings and fine jewelry. Cannibal weaves together its forward-thinking vision with its traditional roots to provide an expertly curated experience of unique and locally sourced finds. We're grateful to Cannibal for sponsoring our show. Okay, let's get into
3: the t-shirts. Sean, you want to kick us off? Yes, well, of course, I am wearing today my Ruth Bader Ginsburg shirt because, um, you know, her legacy was just destroyed today. And... Uh, and the legacy of everyone who's ever fought for freedom and 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 women's rights in the past fifty years uh, was destroyed. and so it's it's really um, I was reflecting a bit on the fact if she had lived maybe six months longer, maybe we wouldn't be facing this situation. And that's tragic because that also shows how much power we've lost as liberals, not just on the court but in our ability to even maintain a pathway to the court. so, Uh, we can, I'm sure talk about all of that, but yeah. Um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I mean, she, she knew the stakes. She sure did. She sure did. Uh, thanks for that. Uh, Sean Liz, how about your
1: t-shirt?
2: My lady, I got a, my shirt says a hysterical female.
1: Mm, mm. Um,
2: I, (laughs) I purchased this in 2016. Um, I just it really um, nails how I'm feeling right now, because, you know, when Trump was elected and many of us freaked out and were told, don't worry, it's settled law. Mm-hmm. Don't be hysterical. Don't be, you know, don't overreact. It's going to be OK. The system will hold. Um, and I just feels like it's been the ultimate uh Gaslighting experience—we've mm. all been through it, yeah. um, and I feel like women especially. So that's my shirt today.
1: Yeah, that—that's thanks for that, Liz. And I hear you. And sort of on a similar, similar uh, thread or similar trajectory, I'm—I'm I'm wearing my Wonder Woman shirt, um, and I'm wearing that because I really think—and uh, you know, I really think that women if we're going to be saved from this like sort of onslaught of theocracy and, um, and bigotry, um, it's going to be women that are going to save us because men got us, a society run by men got us here. Um, and, uh, and I think that, you know, I, where I'm feeling right now is today is, is devastated obviously, but, um, you know, I believe that hysterical women pissed off women, right? are going to lead the charge. I think th- th- this is just such a tangible awful representation of what's happening to this country. Um that is loud, that is and and I I I think women are wonder women and I think that we need to let women lead the fight back from this. And there will be a fight back from this and um so that was sort of my thinking as I as I donned this shirt today. And um, I am devastated. But we'll 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 get into that. Um, what a terrible day, uh, so Liz, it's the darkest day. It really is a dark day, um, Liz. You and I were just saying yesterday that by the time we've selected and workshopped a topic, it's an outline we get some other piece of devastating news that we then need to talk about, right? It seems like a cruel joke that the very first time that we recorded anything um, was just after the leaked Supreme Court opinion about abortion a couple months ago or whenever that was. It feels like, God, Jesus Christ. And we talked about the exact moment we're living through right now. We talked about this exact moment. And uh, and now here we fucking are. So uh, I just want to start with you. where is your head with this? Where are you right now with this?
2: I'm a little emotional. Um, I mean, it's very fresh. And I feel like you and I have said several times, you know, there's uh, these things keep happening that we we knew were coming. And yet it's still a shock to the system. There's just such a big difference between knowing something is going to happen and actually experiencing it. Yeah. Um and I knew when that when that draft leaked, I knew. No one's changing their minds. There's gonna be no Hail Mary. This is what has been planned since Roe passed. This is what they have been planning. And we've all seen it coming. So I was not surprised, but uh, my husband came home. He was taking the dog to the vet. And he was like, so you wanna plan a trip to DC? And I hadn't seen the news. <laughs> And I said, why? And he said, look at the news. And I just knew. And I just felt like my stomach just dropped. It's it's a special kind of hell to be um, told so loudly and so clearly that your humanity doesn't matter. Yes. And... I know there are other people who, want, who, who feel this all the time. I know black people in America feel this all the time. And I do think that most women have this awareness on some level all the time. But we live, especially as a privileged white woman in a world where you can kind of forget that sometimes. Um, and so the same thing happened when Trump was elected. It was like a white male buffoon is more electable than literally the most qualified woman to ever run for the position. And that was like gut punch number one. Like, oh, you know, we don't actually live in a in a, a post-patriarchy. Like this, we're in it still. It's just deep and it's harder to see because we've shed some of the obvious layers. Um so for me it's like, yeah, not a surprise, but it feels it feels impossible it feels impossible that this has happened that this is the reality um so it's kind of like my brain is trying to catch up with this and to grasp the situation um i mean i've been kind of shaking all day just with this rage and the adrenaline doesn't know where to go um because it also feels like as a woman and women have been screaming about this for years and have been pat receiving pats on the head and yes, dear just hush up or not even notice at all because women's anger is toxic in our culture. Men cannot handle women's anger. It shuts them down and stops them from actually listening to anything that we're saying. And so to be honest, I feel like I've been screaming into the void for years already and now it's like everyone else is like, Oh fuck. Yeah, that was real. So I'm pissed, <laughs> but I'm tired. And I'm like, I I don't know how much else I can scream. Um, so that's kind of where my head's at. I feel like I'm going to get to the point where um, hopefully this can kind of um, digest a little bit more. And then maybe I can get to the next stage of, 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 of persevering and continuing to do the work and moving forward and being optimistic. But I'm not not really there right now. So that's where my head's at. I I have a lot to say about it, but you know, I want (laughs) to, I'd love to hear what you guys have to say or think or questions or anything like that.
1: Yeah. I, uh, I appreciate that. Uh, Sean,
3: go ahead. Well, I have, I have tons to say, and I remember when you know, 1973. I was uh, nine years old, and that's when this decision first came down. And I saw the reaction. And uh, the interesting thing about it is that uh, American churches weren't really keyed into this issue back at that point. Uh, some were, and of course, my you know, our, the the church that uh, I grew up in, cult, really was very, very much keyed into it. And uh, some of the messages and dictations, uh, sermons, I guess you could call them, uh, that came out after that from my parents had to do. With this idea that because the U.S. was now giving women the right to abortion, that the U.S. would be judged and destroyed by God as a result of this. And it was very fiery. It was like, uh, and, and, and it let me know early on as a child as to how, how important this was and how important it, you know, cause if the, if the right wingers think it's important, you know, it's important because their entire purpose in life is control. And hierarchy and oppression, right? So, so this the 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 idea that they would react negatively. It took me until I was more of a more of an adult to understand what this was really about for women. And like you said, talking about uh, second class citizens and talking about not you know being able to to have your personhood. And you know that perspective was a long time in coming. And <clears throat> unfortunately, there are a lot of people in the country who are celebrating today. I mean, really celebrating. This is a, this is a triumph for the religious right and for the hierarchy and for the patriarchy. And uh, I can remember going back to when George W. Bush was elected in 2000, and uh, you could see the early sort of hints of this theocracy, this descending theocracy going on when he established the Office of Faith-Based Programs. And, you know, as the Supreme Court has chipped away at the se- right, uh, separation of church and state, and now we're seeing this is an explicitly religious decision. And a lot of people back then were telling me, you know, I was, I was angry. I was strident. Uh, I had different reasons. You know, I'm not, I don't have a uterus. So I had different reasons for being angry, angry about this. Having grown up around this, this type of the justification of this oppression and seeing the results, seeing the corruption, seeing the, the, um, the pain that was caused to people by all forms, not just, not just, uh, being opposed to abortion rights, but being opposed to, to, homosexuality and, you know, the, the concepts of sin and the concepts of even of karma, these Eastern concepts, you know, that, that, and, and it just turns out that, that when you go through, you realize that all of these religious concepts have been used to oppress since the beginning of time. So that's about around the time when I came out as an atheist. And I started really talking about this in terms of theocracy and sort of sounding the alarm and People told me that I was overreacting, lighten up, lighten up was what I got constantly. Um, people would try to play things off as a joke. You know, it's like, oh, I bet you're fun at parties, you know, things like that. And uh, mm-hmm. here we fucking are. Yeah, yeah, here we are. Here we are. Here we
1: are. Um, this bothers me and it's difficult because I'm a progressive and I care about social justice. and I care about justice, um, you know, but and i'm and it all matters to me a whole lot and uh, but i just but the thing that i thought today was just about the women in my life um you know that that that's who i thought of i thought of the women in my life and you know and i try to make the analogy for myself between this and say and 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 a race based issue right you know right cuz like something will happen with race and i feel it in a, in a i think in a very special way right because i'm black and um mm-hmm. Uh, And, and so I, I I thought back to how I felt around this Buffalo shooting, you know, and uh, I'm, I'm with you, uh, you know, uh, Liz is, you know, I, I felt like I, I wasn't like functioning well, you know, and like, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, especially in the very beginning, it was just like almost just like this shock. And that's sort of where I feel like I am right now, but, but, but this sort of shock of is I can't believe this is actually happening. And that sort of feeling of like trying to, to 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 it's amazing how the brain suddenly starts going to start and thinking of ways that it might not be true. You know, like like yes. looking like you said, mm-hmm. the Hail Mary you said before, I think was was really an important thing. It's like and and then there's this sense of trying to come to terms with that just in the first instance. And I think both of you are, are expressing, you know, just and I think a lot of us are feeling this way, particularly women, people with uteruses. Um, you know, that that just this sense of of helplessness, but and rage, and and uh, like shakiness. Like you know, like I feel like I like I've been getting these shots of adrenaline through me uh, over the course of the day, mm-hmm. as like as I reflect on it and uh you know there's so much to unpack i think and many people will do that over the next couple months and weeks and months of like what are the implications for this down the road but i think that today and it's just today and i can i can see it in in everyone's in in our faces and, and especially you liz is you know this is this 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 is We knew it, we expected it, but it's not the same as it actually happening. And I just, my heart just really just goes out to you, Liz. My heart really goes out to the women out there who, um, especially the women that I know, just because I know the women that I know are usually pretty passionate about this. Um, And so, uh, you know, my heart just really goes out and, and it's just one of these frustrations of just like, God, I wish there was something I could like, I, you know, just powerlessness, right. Just powerlessness is very overwhelming, mm-hmm. very overwhelming the powerlessness. But uh, let me get off my soapbox here. Very much. Uh, Liz, you want to jump in?
2: Um, yeah. Just in terms of um, feeling powerless, you know, there's a, I live outside of Philadelphia and I'm considering going to the protest there tonight, but there's also a part of me that's like, I'm fucking tired. To- like, I want to go and I want to scream. (laughs) So I'm tired Um, and I, it's hard for me to combat this feeling of helplessness. Like what's that going to do? I don't in my heart of hearts believe that I believe in protest, but right now I'm just, I'm feeling like that Mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. And I wanted to touch on something that you said, Sean, about um, your upbringing. I mean, I was raised Catholic. Um, I was Taken to pro or pro life, sorry, pro life rallies as a child. Like I held the signs by the Mm -hmm. side of the road, um, and it's so it's been an the whole abortion issue has been an interesting one for me because I can see both perspectives so Mm -hmm. clearly, having grown up like that. And um, uh, I grew up in a very religious but not um, dogma was not like a big thing in my upbringing, but, you know, religious spirituality, but I did go to Catholic school. So things were hammered into me, not necessarily at home. Um, But when it came to abortion, abortion has always been a hot issue for my parents um, who may watch this. So I have to be careful. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it's interesting. It's been interesting to see their growth over the years in terms of this issue. Um, None of us are where we were. All this to say, I can understand where people are coming from and I can understand if you only look at it up to a certain point, how you can feel good about this. But the issue is here that you're missing a whole set of conditions and circumstances and information and input and awareness if you are celebrating this right now. And I think part of my problem is I'm there's so much in my head, there's so much to say And yet I feel like it's been said, and in the world that we live in right now, the only people who are listening to me are the people who already agree with Mm. me. Yeah. And it's kind of like, How are we gonna how are we gonna dig ourselves out of this? Mm -hmm. How? I just can't. It's It's a bit like
3: a nuclear uh, explosion that's gone off and we don't know where the dust is Mm. gonna settle and we're all disoriented. We've the flash has blinded us, the you know it's hasn't even yeah. it's the explosion isn't even over it's like uh and i the the word that came to mind this morning when i first wrote about this was uh savagery this there's going to be so much savagery and that's because mm-hmm. what i think of now is the this is like i i read a meme i think coral Annika teal posted this today and said that this was the worst thing that's ever happened to rape victims and when you mm-hmm. think about now, how you know their intention clearly stated more than once by many, many different people is that people who are raped that is still a child, not the child's fault, the child must be brought to term because God willed that child into existence through this act of rape mm-hmm. and when you when you when you strip everything off from it, you know once a woman loses uh, her bodily autonomy, she also loses her ability to consent to sex, right? Um, it, it is, these, this is part of the same package. If you're, if you're being forced to have, to give birth, then ultimately really you're being forced to have sex because in a lot of religions that, you know, that it is considered to be a wifely duty to submit to the husband physically, sexually, to obey all of those things like that. And so this is just a, this is a legal codification of that. And it's not different from legalizing rape. If you ask me, because,
2: a hundred percent. Well, and this is uh, overturning Roe v- ver versus Wade is the codification of rape mm-hmm. culture. This mm-hmm. is rape culture. Mm-hmm. And like you are saying with this idea that people have that it, whatever the circumstances are that led to the baby, it's not the baby's fault. And that's what I yeah. grew up believing. Um, so I feel like I can, with some authority, state that Those who have that belief are not considering the woman at all. Her humanity, to my point earlier, is gone. It is insignificant. It is wiped out because of that cluster of cells, regardless of if you believe when life begins. So, and it's an extension of that ignoring of the woman's experience and her bodily autonomy is rape culture. It's rape culture.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Right? Consent is not important in this culture. It's because it's a patriarchy. <laughs> That's not how patriarchies work. They don't care about women. Well,
3: there's there's been a lot of memes floating around to that, to, you know, talking about this. Um, and some of them have say mm-hmm. things like, you know, women... If Roe v. Wade is overturned, women will have less rights than a corpse because you can't harvest organs from a corpse, right? In some ways, they have less rights than animals because uh, animals, you can't animal cruelty is against the law. You have to feed your animals. You have to take, you know, and and so in this situation, I mean, there was just a story that came out in the news about a woman who few days ago was in Malta. And Malta is a country, Catholic country that is extremely, you know, no abortions Mm -hmm. for any reason, not even to save the woman's life. And she was vacationing there. Yeah. Kind of like Texas. It's worse than Texas because (laughs) at least in Texas, there's, you know, six weeks or whatever. But, um, well, up until today, <laughs> I don't know what it's going to be after today. But mm-hmm. anyway, this woman's she's the vacationing here. Her water breaks. She's seven months pregnant uh, and she's going into sepsis right after a few days of not being able to get care. And she had to be airlifted out of the country to Spain in order to get medical care to save her life. And this is just going on vacation to a place like this. Now, you know, in some U.S. states, we're going to live permanently in a place like this.
1: Yeah,
3: I think that's right. Yeah. And yep, it's just... Yep.
2: Yeah, I mean Missouri already. Yeah, just it.
3: like that. Yeah, did just
2: like that? that. Missouri
1: did? already did. Missouri. Oh, Missouri. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Missouri. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, yeah, and and there'll be many more yeah. states that are doing this, and people will be cheering. And um, you know, I think, I mean, I don't even know. Like, I, I, people texted me. I, I have. I'm known as like the political guy among a lot of people that I know, right? So I get like a million text messages about this, like people that I haven't talked to in a while and and you know, my response has consistently been, I don't really know what to say. um, I really don't know what to say, and i and I hope that I am not being um sound callous. Um, or anything as I talk about this, you know, Um, but as I've, as we've talked about, and I know we all, the three of us agree that, right. This was baked in for a long time. Right. And we, we said at the beginning, Mm -hmm. right. The fact that it happened is very, is is incredibly painful and shocking in the moment right now, but we did know this was coming in a sense. Right. So I think, I think now. And so, and I think today is the day where we all have to just, live with the discomfort of and the shock and the pain. um, And 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 maybe tomorrow we can start thinking about what we're going to do about this. But that said, that said, you know, I the one way to sort of reframe this and uh, I think is what I've been trying to do to reframe this is um, that maybe just maybe this is a call to action to some extent. You know, um, a real because like like you said, um, Liz. People always say, "Oh, the, uh, it, it's not going to be so bad." You know, you liberals are always <laughs> overreacting. You were saying this too, Sean, right? Like the mm-hmm. you liberals are always overreacting, and I'm like you. I'm like the two of you, right? It, there's no it's no surprise that the three of us are sitting here right now because we're the kind of people who talk about this stuff a lot, and have been screaming into the void like this is what's happening. It's happening right <sighs> before your eyes, and it's unfolding. And if he wins in sixteen that Roe v. Wade is gone. We were literally, literally saying that in 2016, literally saying that in 2016, that's what happens. And people were like, oh, come on, it won't be so bad. And so sometimes, and I, and uh, you know, like the only way people realize that it's going to be so bad is for it to get so bad. Right. Yeah. And and, and I think that is, like you said, try, like I say, I'm not trying to minimize the significance of this. What I'm trying to do is, where is the ray of sunshine here? Because we have, well, like we have to, we have uh-huh. to get to the next stage, the stage of of being ready to fight back, and we're not there yeah. yet. And I don't think it's reasonable. It's reasonable not to be there yet, but we have to get there. Go ahead, Liz.
2: Oh, it's just, uh, yeah. <sighs> of course, as a woman, um, I. It just makes me think of a conversation I had mm-hmm. with my therapist lately because it was, and this was after the, the, mm-hmm, the draft mm-hmm, was leaked. Mm-hmm. This wasn't even, um, and she's like, so how are you doing? And I was like, well, <laughs> the place I live is making it part of the law that I, my humanity doesn't matter. So how am I doing is I kind of want to burn it mm-hmm. all to the fucking ground. Like, I kind of feel like none of these rules, according to people who are interpreting the Constitution right now in the Supreme Court, apply to me because I'm a woman. I'm not in the Constitution. Right. So what reason do I have to follow the laws of this country if this country doesn't recognize me as a full human being? Right. So to your point, Defoe, I feel like a little bit of what's happening you thought that people were mad before. You thought activists were crazy before. Oh, Shit yeah. is going off right now. People are protesting outside of Supreme Court justices homes. I saw a picture of a woman today mm-hmm. butt ass naked, writing all over herself, getting arrested in front of someone's house. We are getting to the point. Women are being pushed to the point where you ha- we have nothing to lose. And when you have nothing to lose, You can become dangerous. (laughs) I mean, we saw this with George Floyd in 2020. Like, you know, everything that was happening then, I feel like it was a similar feeling that like, literally, what do we have to lose right now? You are showing us and you are telling us that we don't matter to you. Our lives don't matter to you. So tell me why I should behave.
0: That's
3: right. Right? That's right. Yeah. Go ahead, Sean. I was just going to say that I think that the... um, it's, you know, it's tough to bring this up because, uh, it, 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 you know, creates a conflict within, um, within, you know, among women. Right. And that is that there are many, many women who support the patriarchy. And there were women who didn't want Mm -hmm. suffrage. There were women who women defeated the ERA. Mm -hmm. And there is a very sizable contingent of women who are happy about this. And, um, Mm -hmm talked about this a little bit last week when we were talking about um, how abused women and women who are murdered by their partners and things like that. And then people say, well, why don't they leave? And then there's all this victim blaming that goes on. It's bullshit. Uh, Because there are two different survival instincts that are being pitted against each other. One is the survival of safety mm-hmm. and having a home and having a family and being in a community. And the other one is uh, your personhood as a woman, right? And those two things are in conflict. And within a lot, of the, a lot of the reason why women didn't, well, they certainly didn't leave before they could get credit cards or before, you know, uh because they couldn't, it was very, very hard to make it without your husband. And so you were stuck in this marriage. And, but now in this situation, this, you know, and you could call it Stockholm syndrome, you can call it all kinds of things, but it was really the realities on the ground for women. And I, 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 you look at Handmaid's Tale, you look at what how brilliant Margaret Atwood was in laying this out and showing that women were some of the primary oppressors and that Serena joy was a feminist who actually, you know, spent her life and and her career, uh, and, you know, spoke publicly to bring about this Gilead at great cost to herself, even to the point of, you know, eventually losing her one of her fingers, uh, because she read something, right. I mean, she put herself in a horrible situation because she thought it was the right thing to do. And, um, I know that there's a lot more complexity to that to the to the tale, but I think it's important to understand how much women play a role. Aunt Lydia, same thing. She is someone who was, you know, who was mm-hmm. very very unhappy in life and in love, very frustrated with you know with with living in a in a in a world where women had rights, and so she reveled, she excelled in you know once it became a world of oppression. And I think that right now we're going to be seeing a, the rise of a lot of that. A lot of women who are. Uh, who were, were, you know, you're going to have to show your cards as a woman at this point. And so that's, yep. Yep. That, I don't know what we do with that.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, I think you're a hundred percent correct. And it's actually something I hadn't considered, but in my haze of fury today, but, uh, you know, I mentioned this at a, on another show, the idea of crumb maidens, these, these women who are, and and I think it's a question of choosing their literal physical survival over their freedom. Right. Like, and that's a, that is what happens when someone is traumatized, they come up with ways to survive and it's a survival mechanism. Like they, they hang onto the coattails of these white men in power because they think that that is how they're going to best survive. Um, so that you're right. I think that'll be interesting going forward. And I think that it's, we still got a long, I mean, still got a long, we have a very long Liz, road ahead uh, Liz, of us. Liz,
1: like, this is why your perspective is so fucking important um, is because what you just said there, I think is so critical and I want to just repeat it and amplify it because right, this idea that, right. And we've talked, we talked about this um, in our recording, which we'll, which everyone will, will hear and that is, Right. That it's really hard to place people in in real reality. We like to put things in these dichotomies. It's like, well, these people did that like this. These crumb maidens are like this because they're bad. And what do we do about them? But then when you really peel back the layers, right, it's actually more complex than that. Right. They are, in fact, that's a survival mechanism. That's why they're yes. doing that. And, and and the same thing. And I think that is such a critical point, Liz. And I, when I really appreciate you. Bring that up, and uh, and 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 you too, Sean, for uh, for for bringing for bringing up the concept. Um, you know, I think the one thing that one of the things that hit that really hit me in what you were saying. Um, Liz, and um and forgive me for 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 looking for the uh the the ray of sunshine here um it's not very bright um it's 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 not really sun at all i mean it's really, i don't know what it is um like a flashlight from the 80s like really yellow bad <laughs> light you know um so but but uh but the thing is right is that um right oppressors consistently consists of a problem with being an oppressor is that because you think you can dominate other people you tend to misjudge how much people want to be free right you tend to you tend to misjudge that you can only push people so far right and um and you know when you take away personhood and when you you know you, you talked about this concept of of realizing being told that you matter less like like that is that is, I, I can identify with that feeling so much, right? Like, you know, like it's like and Buffalo, really, for whatever reason, Buffalo was a really big one for me. And it was just like, it's a reminder that like, oh yeah, America doesn't, like, does, does, you, 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 you're you, not really as good as everybody else. Like you just matter less, you matter less. And so we're not going to take some. And so right. this is on, this is like that on steroids, right? This is like from the Supreme Court. Saying from the very top, yeah, you matter less, and I I think it's hard to overestimate or to un to overestimate or underestimate. It's easy to underestimate how devastating that is to an individual, and also how, like you said, you can get that's how you push people to a place where they have nothing left to lose, and then that's where you get riots, right? That's when you get violent revolutions. Um, and uh, the only ray of sunshine in all of this is that, you know. Oppressors will consistently underestimate the spirit of individuals, right? To, to for freedom, for freedom, and it, it and that doesn't mm-hmm. mean like instant results, but 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 it does mm-hmm. mean that that's where we derive the power to fight back. And uh, so, I, I when you said that, Liz, I thought that was really poignant um, and important. So, just wanted to repeat that.
2: Thanks. Thanks. No, I think you're dead right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, go ahead, Sean. Do you have something? you have, Yeah, uh, I have one more comment. thing I wanted
3: to bring up, of course, and that yeah. is that I think that there are, you know, there's a lot of factors that play into this. You know, you talked about, Liz, your Catholic upbringing, and I had, of course, my religious upbringing. And one of the bumper stickers that my mom had made up, and everybody in the church had one, it said, abortion is first-degree murder of God. All right? It's, it was a sick uh, thing. And it was, it was meant to be deliberately provocative, right? I mean, it was meant to shock people. And Mm -hmm. when you think about, I mean, you have to, you have to really unpack that. You have to unpack what is being said there. And I think when you, when you look at what, what the word God represents, it represents people's ego represents, um, you know, represents men. I mean it's a male God, Yahweh is definitely male not not female and our whole culture is is that is mm-hmm. is based around that and so it's you know the idea of the 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 man who is really a, a small part of the of the birthing process you know just the seed right is is being murdered if you if a woman decides not to carry this baby to term and mm-hmm. and, and and associating the word murder with it has been used to also <sighs> deflect from for example these mass shootings right because i've had right, these conversations right. where i say well you know these mass shootings are horrible they're mm-hmm. like well you liberals support abortion you support murdering babies it's oh, like it just ends the so argument ridiculous. there's no you know, and so this is a very a very insidious diabolical uh point. And I think that um unfortunately a lot of liberals don't understand how tightly this is connected to religion and even spirituality, right? Because if you start thinking I've even heard New Agers talk about, you know, how they don't like abortion because it, you know, that does something to the soul or whatever. And the the whole dualistic idea that we are something more than mammals is what creates this 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 concept that you know to to practice an abortion, which has been going on as long as there've been humans, as long as, as long as humans have existed, women have figured out ways to end their Mm -hmm. pregnancies, um, Mm -hmm. to, to somehow tie this Mm -hmm. into a soul. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and the fact that we have a, an existence that goes past Mm -hmm. our lives somehow, and that we existed before is where they get you. And for sure, I just want to caution liberals because a lot of liberals Mm -hmm. say, well, you know, you have to work with religious people. And of course we do, because there's so many of them in the U S but, um, it's, it's like you can't imbibe just a little bit of this poison because once you start with this dualistic religious thinking, you know, you're, you're in for a penny in for a pound. And pretty soon, you know, you've got these moral qualms about Mm -hmm. this fetus and you just can't get over it. And I think Mm -hmm. that's the danger is I, is, is that a lot of, a lot of liberals do believe in God. They do believe in, and so they're conflicted about this. They don't have a clear sense that this is about women not about these, these fetuses and it's about souls and it's about, about, you know, Mm -hmm. making karma. If you do this, you make all this karma and, you know, it's again, I I could be on that, my uh, soapbox about that forever, but this is why it's so important that we get off, you know, this God belief because it's, it's so easy to make this case for religious people that there's a moral problem with it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Liz, Liz, you wanna comment? Yeah, go for
2: it. The casual, just the casual assumption of a religious belief, a specific Christian belief in this country is quite staggering. As somebody who grew up in Canada and I moved here when I was 15, and just Mm
0: -hmm.
2: there's a level of assumption Mm -hmm. that you can talk about the Bible, you can talk about God, just drop it into casual conversation and no one's gonna bat an eye, because they don't, nobody does it's in the freaking thing that we said every morning in Mm -hmm. school about pledging allegiance to a flag. Um, Yeah. So I think, I think you're, you're completely right about that, Sean. And I, and I, I have been one of those people who was spiritual and felt conflicted because I did feel like there was life in the womb and it didn't make me um, want to get rid of abortion, but I definitely felt like an emotional tension there. Um, but at the end of the day, there's a life that's already existing out in the world, right? Right? Like, can we consider it like just a little bit maybe? Um, but yeah. And I think it's important to keep, keep our, our, our eyes clear when we're discussing this subject because it, it can get very emotional and for that reason that people equate it with religion and
1: souls yeah, and, I, and I,
2: spirituality and i think that's that.
1: right and uh and both stuff. of you uh thank you for that and we are winding down here um but uh you know in terms of the soul i mean the problem though is right there's so many religious people like right? that's like that and and that is apparently a feature of of human culture is the thing, right? So, I mean, you know, I think that, um, I, I think it is important to be to talk about, right, like, look, if you I say this, I say this, uh, my wife joking all the time, it's like, if, if you believe that a guy rose from the dead, then you can believe anything, right, mm-hmm. and that's the real problem, right, like, if you, right, like, and <sighs> and, and well, how do people compartmentalize one portion of their life where magic is, a, is, is allowed, but mm-hmm. in this part of their life where for some reason, no, the rules of physics exist, right, and it's absolutely maddening and very, 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 very dangerous, and then the next question is, though, that, because, like, one thing, like, how mm-hmm. How do we how do we work around that? Because even the most progressive, a lot of very, very progressive people are religious. Right. Yeah. And they and so, you know, that's just the reality, let alone the conservatives. But even like, right. So to we have to find a way. And this is a real challenge, I think, for all of us is to is is how do you find a way to to to, um, to talk about this stuff in a way that is uh, that abortion and abortion rights um in a way that overwhelms that individual's qualms, that, in, that internal qualm that you're talking about there, Liz, where it's just like, and I think the way you do that is just mm-hmm. talking about the people who are suffering, mm-hmm. right? Like the, the real human beings that are that are that are suffering, because exactly. people just people like disconnect that, right? That there's going to be real yeah. people and children, by the way, suffering. Yes. Um, and but but because of, yeah. because of this clump mm-hmm. of cells. Um, so uh, well, Liz, I want to give you the last mm-hmm. word here. Um, uh, like, you know, what are you going to be like? What are you here's a quick question. What are you going to be doing tonight? Like, what are you what is your self-care routine? Is it just screaming and freaking the fuck out? Is it just being sad and depressed? Is it or is it is it doom scrolling? Um, You know, just about that in your last and your uh, and your final words.
2: That's a great question. I've been doing all those things <laughs> except running. I did think about running and then I thought. I don't want oh, to burn got- it all off before the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> i
0: got to save
2: some fire. Um, I think from, I don't know what I'm going to do tonight. I might go to Philadelphia and scream a little bit. I might just start binge watching some show that has nothing to do with anything. Um, and I might doom scroll. But I think the most important thing that I'm going to do for myself is to allow myself room to do the, whatever I need to do and to feel however I need to feel and to not worry too much that I'm not, Mm -hmm. um, doing the right thing for the time, you know, um, because I think it's important for, as people who care about social issues and when, especially right now, well, it's when things are happening that are so heightened and, and, and so emotional that we are patient with ourselves because, um, the last thing that we need is our internal voice yelling at us that we're not doing what we should be doing. Um, I think, you know, if like four (laughs) weeks go by and I'm still lying in bed, not doing anything, maybe that's another thing, but like, I'm going to give myself a little bit of space to feel what I need Mm -hmm. to feel and maybe not be super productive about it. Maybe I will. I don't know. Um, so that was, that's what I would say in terms of, you know, being an activist or, or, making social change. I think the, the most important thing is to take care of your inner world. And sometimes you're going to get like adrenal overload and feel exhausted and feel like shit. And that's okay right. too. It'll, it'll pass. Um, so that's what I'm going to do tonight. We'll see. Um, and I don't know if this is a good final thought or not, but something that I've been thinking a lot about and that has been, um, a recur- it's a general recurring theme when it comes to the patriarchy is... I think something that happens is we all of us have some degree of blinders on when it comes to recognizing it in our daily life or larger life or our government. And the reason is just because it's, it's the culture we were born into. It's how we were trained. Um, And so the number one tool that I use to help me see things clearly is to flip it. Right. So imagine if Mm -hmm men could have babies. (laughs) Imagine what that would mean. Um, I propose that if we want to make abortion illegal, that we do that with the caveat that the government funds Mm. the woman's entire pregnancy experience from beginning to end, including taking care of her rent and her food and anything she might need, medical expenses, obviously. And then when the baby is born, whoever impregnated her is responsible for raising that child. Uh, And the woman can be involved to whatever degree she wants to be, Mm -hmm. but that it is the man's responsibility. And if there was a way to make that happen, I can guarantee you (laughs) nobody is getting rid of abortion. Nobody. Because that's the reality in this country, and that's why poor women and black women are disproportionately going to be fucked by this because they are the ones who are already struggling. And then we're telling them, no, you got to keep this kid and you got to raise this kid. I don't know how you're going to do it. Cause we're not going to give you any yeah. assistance, but have fun, <laughs> you know? So this is, this is my takeaway. I just encourage everyone to use that tool going forward, flip the situation and you will see the level of, of absurdity In it, and um, hopefully, and you know, maybe that'll help people also understand the absurdity of getting rid of abortion or thinking of abortion as anything other than
0: You're healthcare. So right. it's You're healthcare It's so right. Liz. Awesome. Yeah. yeah,
1: totally right. Liz, totally right. And um, uh, thank you so much uh, for that was a great conversation, um, both of you and uh, the Liz uh, default and Liz segment is next on the agenda today. And I hope that you enjoy listening to it as much as Liz and I uh, enjoyed creating it. And uh, we will see you on the other side. The show's now started, I think.
2: Oh, okay, great. Just like that. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. (laughs) All right, well, how about you tell me about your last 24 hours before?
1: Uh, In this wonderful
2: world that we're living in.
1: Well, you know, uh, Liz... You just told me um, a second ago
2: <laughs>
0: um, before
1: b- before we started recording here, you told me that the Supreme Court had just come down with the uh, with 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 another terrible decision. I- I've seen the handgun decision um, and, you know, living right outside of New York. You lived in New York before. You know what it's like to be on a crowded subway. You know what it's like to walk around a crowded Times Square. The idea of somebody walking around with a fucking pistol and 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 not just a pistol. Right but a pistol and some sort of savior complex, right? Like Uh feeling like, oh my God, something's happening to me. Um, Even though nothing's happening, right? Nothing life-threatening is happening, but Uh oh my God, something life-threatening is happening to me. Let me pull out this gun and start shooting people because that's what ends up happening, right? Like when you have a hammer, everything looks like a fucking nail. And that's the problem with people running around with handguns who don't need handguns for like, you know, for personal protection.
2: Well, and let's just also add to this that, Everything that happened in Uvalde has completely trashed this whole good guy with a gun mythology. I mean, did you hear the most recent thing I heard is that the the husband of one of the teachers who died, um, I don't remember how he found out, maybe she called him, mm-hmm. whatever it was, she had been shot. He ran to the school oh my God, yes. with his gun and they took his gun away. <laughs> So explain to you me again up. how how an average citizen being armed is going to prevent these kinds of things. Just explain it to me because it doesn't seem true to me. But maybe I'm naive. I don't know.
1: <laughs> and, and 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 I mean I I don't think you are. <laughs> and, and, and I don't look, either. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> um, think about and what happens if this guy, by the way, does run into. The room, right? Is he gonna, is he gonna go Rambo style? Is that the plan? I, I, you know, like, mm-hmm. do you think, is he, maybe he was a trained operative of some kind maybe he was an ex-navy seal guy um and maybe that's what he was doing but if he's just some guy who has a handgun i mean is he gonna run in there and start and just start shooting people i don't know Mm -hmm. that makes me uncomfortable too so Mm -hmm. first of all like the cops aren't letting the guy do the big the good guy with the gun thing anyway and uh, statistically speaking the good guy with the gun who runs in only causes more trouble I mean, oh, I mean I, you
2: brought up New York. It makes me think about the subway shooting a few months ago. And if someone else had been armed there, I, exactly. I'm i pretty sure exactly. that there would have been fatalities, you know, because exactly. all you have is more bullets flying around. No one even knew where the guy was half the time. So
1: that's exactly right. I don't see how that. So uh, wait, wait, wait. Can you can you imagine being in a subway car and someone says he's got a gun, and then someone else pulls out a gun and uh-huh. like I mean the the doomsday scenario, the yeah. doomsday scenario in a moving yeah. subway car. Yeah. I, I just it, it's, yeah. It's, it's 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 astonishing. And if you've never um, been and- in
2: a New York subway, that like, you have no way of understanding. Like <laughs> it's sardines, <laughs> and you have nowhere to go.
1: No, nowhere yeah. to go, nowhere no. to go yeah. on a downtown six train at 7 p.m. Are you fucking mm-hmm. kidding me? They have that. You are like this, literally just jammed mm-hmm. in there. There is no movement. And some guy pulling out a gun there. I mean, you will get tra- people will get trampled. People will suffocate. It is just a horrible, horrible thing. And like we were saying, Liz, I mean, here's the thing is that uh, and, and and I don't mean to be trite or flippant about this because it's going to sound that way because I am very very cynical at this point but you know this was all baked in since 2016 in some sense like I'm kind of numb to it and I don't mm-hmm. and I don't mean I'm numb in the sense that I don't see the horror of it mm-hmm. I mean I'm numb in the sense that I can't afford to be battered by the feelings yes. about this all the time like right because if I am sitting around being battered back and forth by every supreme court decision that comes down. I'm going to have a really unhappy life and I'm going to have an unhappy life anyway, because the world's falling apart. You know, I got, I don't know, I got to find some way to handle this. And I, and I don't think that becoming numb is the answer, right? I don't think no. that's the answer. I don't, but, no,
2: you but I also what I'm don't know how much control we have over that. I think that's a natural, that's like our psyches way of coping with this. You know, you can only take yeah. so much before you become numb to an extent. And I feel like that's yeah. going to be an ongoing conversation with us Mm -hmm. as we go forward with this show like how does one pay attention to what's happening in the world give a shit do what you can without completely shutting down or falling apart because it feels to me like those are the two options that i'm experiencing it's you know
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. i'm (laughs) laughing it's not funny but
2: no but (laughs) it's outrage and then complete shutdown and rejection of all information until the next horrible thing comes along, which I feel like, and I could be, I don't know if I'm correct, but it does feel like things are happening more frequently now. Like you were saying, it's-
1: Oh yeah, definitely. It's like every time we
2: we get together Mm -hmm. to talk, we have this something, like at least one thing, usually multiple things have happened in the three to four weeks since the last time we
1: spoke. That's exactly right. And And even more than that- It's like even – so we will – it'll be three or four weeks since the last time we spoke. And then we will – and then two weeks after the show, we'll decide – so we'll start talking back and forth. We'll be texting back and forth about, oh, what should we talk about next time? And then we come up with something, right? And then we're like, okay. And then we start putting together an outline. And then almost inevitably, since we've started this thing, right, between that moment and the actual day of the show, something Mm -hmm. else horrible has happened. And I think that Mm -hmm. we should – that this is probably going to be – par for the course and i hate to take up the first our first question of like how are you doing with these sort of topics but i mean that's what's happening so Uh
0: Uh right i mean
1: that's the reality of what's happening um So, yeah, I mean, so another interesting thing that's happened uh, is that I just got back from Alaska. And Mm -hmm. and so and one of the things that I have been and just actually kind of dovetails a bit or maybe I'm just sort of trying to force a round peg into a square hole. But (laughs) but uh, (laughs) nevertheless, um, you know, it's it's, you know, when I I was in Alaska and Alaska is very far away, it feels very far away from everything, you know, you know, it's. one thing i noticed that was very very consistent in alaska is no politics i didn't see trump signs i didn't see don't tread on me flags i didn't see any of that i mean maybe i saw i was there for two full weeks and i saw maybe three trump related items the entire time one i saw twice because i I ran back in the same direction that's how few there were and you would think wow trump country right like alaska Mm -hmm. red um, don't tread on me. You would at least think don't tread on me stuff would be out there, right? Because they're mm-hmm. all about that. Like I'm out in the wilderness, and they are, in fact, by the way, out in the like fucking libertarians wilderness.
2: is my image of it.
1: Exactly. Yeah. That's what you get. But mm-hmm. yeah, there's none of that, and it's almost as if it just doesn't exist out there. And I think part mm-hmm. of it is that it's just so far away from everything. I mean the mm-hmm. the experience of being out there, like stuff like it's it's as if right. Like the, first of all, there's this whole like frontier vibe to it and we're like oh you know uh, uh you know we care about survival out here and nothing else doesn't matter what the color of your skin is or your x y and z um as long as you are in this same this frontier spirit or whatever so there's a lot of that um all this to say is that when i getting back has been kind of jarring in that way because it's just like mm-hmm. oh right all of this is happening and it's happening fast and it's like super heavy um and i think I, it's hard to realize how much that weighs on you and, mm. and and here's a here's a big factor by the way i didn't have reception for like 90% of the time that i was there so that means I wasn't getting news alerts uh, i wasn't get I wasn't on social media right um mm-hmm. like so most of the time I didn't have access to that and so um you know you don't realize how heavy what we're all bearing every day mm-hmm. emotionally with the with the medium bombardment that we're getting and I'm not saying mm-hmm. it's bad that we're getting the medium bombardment it's good that we have the information, but it's heavy shit we're dealing with every day, and mm-hmm. we got to give ourselves a break
2: yeah, yeah, absolutely you know? absolutely I mean I was just uh like a couple of days ago, my husband was, I guess I looked a little, I don't know how I looked, but he asked how I was mm-hmm. doing. And I said, I'm feeling like, I said, it's not necessarily bad, but I think because I'm having such a heightened sensation of mm-hmm. impending doom. Yeah. <laughs> and again, I'm laughing. It's not funny. <laughs>
1: it's but, not funny. Um, no, I know. I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs>
2: but man, yeah. Yeah. Um, but along with this comes also a heightened appreciation for the little things, the nice things, the beautiful things in my life. Mm-hmm. So I have been feeling that sort of poignancy as well as the oh. impending doom. So so that's you know. really...
1: Now, wow, that's, that's super interesting. I'm so glad. That's super interesting, Liz, because I've been... That's a similar experience I've had. And I think that... And again, a theme that I think we'll be talking about a lot over the course of our conversations is this, how do we cope with this? And I do think that getting down to community, family, uh, right the little, sometimes mundane things of everyday life and how precious they are, how lucky we are to have them, Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. that can help give us some perspective. Now, it's certainly not going to solve those problems um it's mm-hmm. certainly not going to make us feel better about those problems but it might make us feel better in uh in the moment i, I while i was in alaska i was listening i i do a lot of listening to to, to military books when i'm out when i'm on these trips and i was listening to a v- vietnam in particular and i was listening to a mm-hmm. vietnam uh, related uh, book and there was a guy who had something what's called uh, you know immersion foot, which is something that you get if you're in the jungle and your feet are wet for weeks and months on end, and you get and and, mm-hmm. and it gets very painful and it ends up going to gangrene and everything like that. But and he was uh you know it was the 60s and he is and in, in, uh, and you know Vietnam everybody has these like nicknames. His name was Hippie and mm-hmm. he was a guy who was like from California and he was Mister Peace and Love and he had a peace sign. Like he was like one of those like quintessential like Vietnam guys. And the point mm-hmm. is that. With each step, he was in absolute agony. And he would say, he goes, I remember this woman. And he said, girl, of course. But this woman <laughs> that um, that, I, that I was hanging out with right before I left. And she said, like, uh, in terms of meditation, she was like, can you get through this moment? Because, or can you get through this moment? And then you get to the next moment can i get through that moment because half of what we're dealing with is 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 the fear of what it's going to feel like in the future that is like most of what present discomfort is right Is fear that tomorrow it's also going to suck and next minute so if Uh and, and so um i'm using this as an analogy to say like i think that is a tool not a solution to the problems we're facing but a tool for us to keep our sanity to stay mm-hmm. reasonably in some state of okayness um, as mm-hmm. we go through these challenges, as we go through this, sh- as the world falls apart around us.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I think you you're know? 100% correct. I mean, it goes there. back to that thing that I've been thinking since, since Trump got elected, that it's, it's like we've been in this training ground for mm-hmm. how to get your mind right. You right. Know? Yeah,
1: that's exactly right. Yeah.
2: Uh-huh. Totally. Uh-huh. Totally. Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, yeah, cool, Alaska, huh?
1: Oh, Alaska! Oh, oh Alaska. Alaska! Oh, being black in Alaska—what an experience that is! I mean, it, it, <laughs> <Yeah>. it, <laughs> it was just like being dumped back into Montana again in a lot of ways. But uh, but the uh-huh. good thing is that I'm like when I was younger, I was there's this tendency to want to suppress your the fact that you're black, right, and just sort of fit in. Um, yeah. And I thought the most interesting thing was, you know going to to innkeepers or whatever, where I had made Mm -hmm. reservations months in advance. Um, And Lindsay, frankly, was a huge help in all that and give credit where it's due. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, she but, uh, you know, I showed him I had talked to these people on the phone. And so when I when people talk to me on the phone, they assume I'm white. And so uh, and so when they see me in person, there's sort of like this jar of like, oh, shit, like, Hello, and and it's not. You and it's see not, their
2: assumptions clicking into place.
1: Oh, absolutely! Mm. I can see it happen in real time, and I've been doing. I've been doing that for so long in my life that I know exactly what it, what, what what it looks like, and I expect mm-hmm. it. I, I I mean, I expected this woman, Colleen, lovely woman, by the way, lovely woman. Um, but I, you know, I, as I met her, I saw this, uh, this this before, and it's just kind of funny. It's like, um, you mm-hmm. know, and, and and it just makes me glad of that I'm not who I was way back when that I'm like you know that I'm so I'm much more comfortable with who I am um and uh, and and what blackness means to me and that it's not sort of this crushing sense of oh my god, you know w- will they accept me or you know like oh God, uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not like them in some way. And so mm-hmm. um that is so so it and so in that way it was it, it's been it was a really positive experience, I think. The the hardest experience, the weirdest thing about it was just that it's sunny all the time. And so it's just not sunny, oh, yeah. but just but just daylight all the time. Right. It, it's it's yeah. Deeply maddening on some level. Um like maddening. Yeah. It drives me it drove me a little crazy for the first three or four days. It definitely did.
2: I'm sure. Yeah. Well, and you look on the flip side of it in the winter, oh, it's God. dark all the time. Like so nope. people up there just they got a whole different <laughs> Psyche exactly. Mhm. Mhm. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's toughness, man. That's being able to handle that kind of stuff.
1: That kind of Mm-mm. shift. I mean, fucking crazy. Fucking crazy.
2: Yeah.
1: Um. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, we'll talk more about it as the show goes on. But um. But it was quite an experience. It was quite an experience. It it, it really. It really was. But um. Should we talk about Juneteenth? Sure. We Let's don't have to. We can talk about Juneteenth.
2: whatever. No, I'm good with that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good with Juneteenth. You know, it's funny. We should have probably done this last time. And then it would have been like the timely, Timely, really...
1: right? It would have been timely, <laughs> honestly. Um, well, yeah, let me do my spiel. Um, yeah. So to give us the setup, the whole thing, because last week was Juneteenth and um, I'm an employment lawyer and More fundamentally, I'm a writer and I'm an editor. I am not a scholar of black history or white history or any history for that matter. And you know how to use Google as much as I do. Uh, If you want to get into the weeds on Juneteenth, you should check out uh, renowned black scholars like Leon Litwack and Elizabeth Hayes Turner. Um, And I got some information from them and fascinating stuff. But I would like to set the stage for our conversation today, Liz, by providing a bit of context. So here is a reporting mashup I put together from PBS and The New York Times. Um, Two great resources, obviously. So on a little bit of background. So on June 19th, 1865, about two months after Confederate General Robert E. Lee surrendered at Appomattox, Virginia, Gordon Granger, a Union general arrived in Galveston, Texas to informed enslaved African Americans of their freedom and that the Civil War had ended. General Granger's announcement put into effect, put into effect the Emancipation Proclamation, which President Abraham Lincoln had issued nearly two and a half years earlier. Juneteenth, an annual commemoration of the end of slavery in the United States, has been celebrated by African-Americans since 1866. When Texas fell and Granger dispatched his now famous order number 3 it wasn't exactly instant magic for most of the Lone Star State's 250,000 enslaved people on plantations white enslavers and I changed that name by the way um, from from mm. from slave owners on on plantations white enslavers <laughs> had to decide mm-hmm. uh, i think it was masters i think they had before then and i was like i don't oh. like that so on plantations oh. white enslavers had to decide when and how to announce the news or whether to wait for a government agent to arrive. And it was not uncommon for the white enslavers to delay until after the harvest, because of course. And in Galveston City, the ex-Confederate mayor flouted the army by forcing the freed Black people back to work, again, because of course. Newly freed Black people who acted out on the news did so at their peril. As former slave Susan Merritt recalled, you could see a lot of N-words hanging in, to trees in Sabine bottom right after freedom because they catch them swimming across Sabine river and shoot them. In one extreme case, a former slave named Katie Darling continued working for her mistress. Another six years. She whipped me after the war, just like she did for the war. Darling said. Now, this scenario was hardly a recipe for celebration, which is what makes the story of Juneteenth all the more remarkable. Defying confusion and delay and terror and violence, the newly freed black men and women of Texas, with the aid of the Freedmen's Bureau, found a date to rally around. In one of the most inspiring grassroots efforts of the post-Civil War period, they transformed June 19th from a day of unheeded military orders into their own annual rite. Juneteenth, beginning one year later in 1866. So, Liz, are you like me and that you didn't know that Juneteenth was even a fucking thing until very recently? Because I certainly didn't.
2: <laughs> I am like you in that way. Um, yeah, in fact, I think last year was the first time that I had heard of it. Yep.
1: Yep.
2: Um, which isn't really that surprising when you think about mm-hmm. how in our own worlds we all are and i feel like that's been another gift of uh, mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. the trump years is mm. increasing awareness of how very much we are in our own lanes and how um unaware we are of other people's realities especially when you're looking at people who are in uh you know in terms of the power dynamic higher up on the chain sure
1: sure sure sure
2: um whereas you can not to get too much into a tangent, but, you know, if you're one of a marginalized group, you do tend to know things about the the oppressing groups, but it doesn't go the other way around.
1: Great point. (laughs) Very, very good point.
2: So as a white person, of course, I didn't know about Juneteenth Mm -hmm. because, you know, it's not my world. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, but um, it's an interesting I don't feel like I should lead on it as a white lady. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, (laughs) But um, I will say that one of the things that I found interesting because, you know, as literally having known about this for maybe a year, and I only recently became aware of the fact that it wasn't, you know, I really feel like it's kind of sold to us white folks as like a, yay, slavery's over celebration. mm and. And, oh, because the news didn't reach these people until two years after emancipation, blah, blah, blah. But the reality is not that the news didn't reach them. It's the news was either withheld from them or they just simply were not able to act on it. Because just because you are told you are free doesn't mean you have the the, the tools to become free, to, to, to actualize that freedom.
1: I think that's right. Um,
2: as you just said and all that information. So that to me was, like, to me, that's very interesting because it really speaks to that, like the power dynamics. And and I feel like it continues in so many ways today.
1: Great. point, yeah. that's, <laughs> I, that, that's that's such a great point. And, and that's, as I said, right, I, if, if people want to go find out like all about Juneteenth, they can go find out all about Juneteenth by people who do this stuff. But I, but what I found was really interesting about it is And what and and you hit, I think you nailed it right there is this idea that like, right, even the story of liberation is packed with stories of oppression, right? Like even when we're Mm -hmm. talking about literally celebrating freedom, even within that, Mm -hmm. there is still a Mm -hmm. racist crackdown. Always, 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 yeah. always. And I think that's why I wanted to bring it up, because I think this is like to your point, this is something that we just that even within the brand new context of Juneteenth, which for me is brand new. Also, mm-hmm. we it's already being sanitized right it's already being mm. sanitized just like every fucking thing else like martin luther king's birthday sanitized right now it's just this story mm-hmm. of love and bringing everybody together when no people were trying uh-huh. to lynch the fucking man he was murdered by right. white people Mal-
2: <laughs> malcolm x malcolm x i right, mean right. talk about sanitizing a exactly. person i'm mean, not that he's they've failed largely but like yeah yeah, yeah i it's like you have to change it into this little pablum so that the the white people can swallow it without
1: exactly exactly
2: without (laughs) (laughs) take care of the white people always always always
1: take care of the white people Uh that is a critical a critical thing here and so you know like (laughs) there's a sense in which finding about finding out about Juneteenth felt to me kind of like a personal failure, failure, right? Like it's something that Mm -hmm. I should have known about. I'm black after all. It felt like uh, another example of how isolated I've historically been from a sense of black identity and, and black American culture in the United States, but mostly And I, and I think this is going to be an unusual position to take. And I'm not taking it just to be a contrarian, but I, but mostly I was cynically glad that corporate America has found it in its business interest to use Juneteenth for marketing purposes. Like it, like we were talking about before, it's really awful that we're stuck with the system that we're stuck with. You and I just talked about this. Maybe it was the other day when we talked on the phone, like, right? we, We live in a system dominated by corporations and, and the reality is, uh, that normalizing of a huge social issue by corporations is a critical factor in improving the lives of the people who are directly affected by that social issue, given the system mm-hmm. we're in, right? I've made this analogy before. Mm-hmm. The Cosby show, right, was a the pop culture, that's a huge factor in why uh, normalizing the idea of an affluent black family, that the black family isn't just a, mm-hmm. a, a, a that the black people are lawyers, black people are doctors, black people, uh, are not and and uh, the Will Smith show is the same thing. Black people are not just this mm-hmm. this caricature of poverty and 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 drugs and crime, right? Crime, you know, right? Yeah. And a huge mm-hmm. thing. Will and Grace too showed that, Ameri- that America mm-hmm. that gay people aren't just like uh aren't they like, aren't just the pride parade, aren't just sex, right? They are they're just people like mm-hmm. they're, they're people like everybody else. So We need massive structural shifts in our system to even begin to work, um, to make the system work for a reasonable number of people and, and, and no doubt Mm -hmm. having to celebrate The corporatization of Juneteenth and pride is a really shitty place to be. Um, But we know that already. right? We know we're in a shitty situation. The outlook for justice in America is bleak as fuck right now. We just talked about it. So we progressives do not. And this is just my view. Do not have the luxury of picking and choosing from where we accept our progress. Right. We need to claw desperately for these small wins, these Band-Aid wins even as we fight ceaselessly to make the large structural changes we need to really sort of solve this nation's problems. So I, I, I think that like the hard leftists and 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 progressives would say like, oh, you know, it, it is awful that 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 Juneteenth is already being corporatized. Uh, but you said it the other day when we talked like this is the system we live in, though. Right. I mean, I don't know. What do you think about that?
2: Yeah, I I I think I had not like uh formulated it quite so cohesively. <laughs> but I definitely feel this um with pride, uh this knee-jerk kind of like ew. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
2: And with Juneteenth, I honestly I think on some level it's been part of my reticence to sort of like get involved. I mean the major biggest reason is because I'm this I'm a white lady. Like what what do I have to contribute to this conversation? And even do I have the right to celebrate mm-hmm.
0: this? Mm-hmm.
2: I don't know. Um cool. or not celebrate but um yeah, I guess I'm finding my way. It's a new thing, sure. right? So what is my role in sure. that? And do I have a role? Sure. Um but yeah, this the getting back to what you're saying about corporations and corporate, corporatizing. Is I don't know. I,
1: I, 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 use that word um, and <laughs> did I you? did use it and I don't know that it's actually a word, but for us, for our, Let's for the purposes of us, yes, it's a word.
2: <laughs> it can be a, it can yeah, be a totally. word. Yeah. It feels uncomfortable for sure because it feels gross. It does feel gross. Because there is, um, I think I have a desire to keep those things authentic and, stay true to the human emotion behind it and corporations who most days of the year could give two shits about gay people or black Mm -hmm. people suddenly making money off of it. Like, did you hear this thing? Like Target has like a whole section of like pride stuff. And I just feel like that's not celebrating it. You're trying to make money off of this, but But to your point, I, I also think that this is the system that we live in and that like with Will and Grace and the Cosby show, if it makes, if it moves the needle in the right direction, then I think, who am I to, to shit on that, you know? Um, But it's that dichotomy. It's the holding the two things at once that like, yes, this is the system we live in and let's celebrate this moving of the needle while still holding on to our ideals and that um, and that we are working for more progress Mm -hmm. and more significant progress and real progress and not like commercial progress, but that we can hold those two things at the same time. I mean, if you, it's, there's so much dichotomy in all of this in Juneteenth itself. Like we were, I feel like we were talking about this Mm -hmm. before too, that the idea of celebrating Something that was actually a a real travesty, Mm -hmm. and I'm not talking about slavery. I'm talking about the fact that it Mm -hmm. took that Mm -hmm. long for people to actually start to become Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm unenslaved. And 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 I feel like is that really something that we're going to celebrate? So Mm -hmm. I guess yeah. So I feel like that dichotomy is something that we're very uncomfortable with as humans, and 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 being able to hold on to both at once. And I think that's why. I have trouble with like far, far Mm -hmm. because it's like if it's not exactly this, then it gets. That's exactly right.
1: Ideological purity.
2: And that's it's just not the world that we live in. Like, if you actually want people's lives to get better, then you can't do that. It's like with this gun control thing that's being debated right now in the Senate. I think they're voting on very, very soon. It's not a great it's sure
0: not, right? not It's sure not.
2: <laughs> it's not. But if we can get some Republicans to vote for some kind of gun control legislation, that is a huge victory. And we are moving the needle. It's not where it needs to be, but we are exactly. pushing.
1: And it's going to save lives. It'll so. definitely save lives, right? Like I, I was watching some dude on right. TV, uh, expert in this area, and he was saying like just cha- changing the from 18 to 21 will save lives. That will save lives. Uh-huh. That will cause... And it's it, it's not going to save as many lives as we would like, right? It's not as drastic right. as we right. would like. It doesn't stamp out the white supremacy that is like that is like like in so intertwined with gun culture. You know,
2: it's in our yeah.
1: You know what I'm yeah. saying?
2: Yeah. It's DNA. in our DNA. It's DNA. It's, it's all, all together. together.
1: Yeah. And mm-hmm. like to your point, and I think I I, I you know. <sighs> this is a kind of a hobby horse of mine. And so like, this is probably a theme that will run through many of our shows. And this is this idea of ideological purity. Um, And Mm -hmm. uh, I I don't want to shit on the hard left and the far left because they are our brethren and sister, right? Like these folks, Mm -hmm. we agree on 99% of things. Um, And by the way, I'm perfectly Mm -hmm. happy to, if I'm a politician, I'm perfectly happy to work with the far left. I am perfectly happy to come up mm-hmm. with but the problem with the far left a lot of times is they're precisely far left because precisely because they're unwilling to work and compromise, right? And it is and uh-huh. and and uh-huh. so I wanna just make an analogy here. I was um as I said, and uh, oh boy, I've been saying a lot recently and everybody's tired of hearing it. I just came back from Alaska and I flew up there and <laughs> I flew up there and back on a uh, 737, uh, which is the Greyhound bus okay. of the skies, right? So it is the sit okay. right This and it is... It, it didn't come with anything right uh, and so and so the tv offerings were very very slim even though the flight was almost eight hours long it was it was like flying to europe but you were flying on a fucking bus fine um so the movies weren't good uh uh so i ended up <laughs> going back and watching movies that i haven't that i watched before that were good like from way from like 10 years ago or whatever so um, I watched uh Lincoln again um and it was very mm-hmm. it was like literally on Juneteenth the day after or, or you know a couple days before Juneteenth and uh, I don't uh, and that's not why I picked it it was just a good movie but anyway I also watched by the way interstellar again if you haven't watched interstellar in a while go back and watch that it's just not for you you're not you're, you don't like that kind of movie
2: I've never watched it it's not about <laughs> yeah it's not that it's yeah. not for me I just for the like about ten years I haven't really watched movies.
1: Oh, okay, fair. Ah, uh, yes, 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 yes. Because
2: yes. I fall asleep.
1: <laughs> you just don't have that.
2: But now you don't have I don't have any excuse because now we're into shows and we'll watch two episodes of an hour long sure, show. Sure, so sure. I could be watching well, movies. I- I just need to like have the them.
0: Well, well, the
1: big thing too is that, and this is to, to be frank, is that shows now are way better than movies. Like movies are made for the for the lowest common denominator. They're most of them are just garbage, which is my point. I was on the at Alaska, you know, well, now, I'm watching yeah. these movies. I'm like, these movies are terrible. I don't want to watch any mm-hmm. of these like mass market. It's like eating McDonald's. It's garbage, right? The writing mm-hmm. is terrible. Everything yeah. about it is terrible. But Interstellar is an excellent movie, and Lincoln is a very good movie too. And and I'm not. It's, it's not as good as Interstellar. Um, Uh, But the point I'm bringing it up is that um, Thaddeus Stevens is a major character in the film, and and he was known to be absolutely uncompromising and vocal in his belief that black men and white men were truly equal in every way, not just under the law, but genuinely equal as individuals. And that was a radical, radical position to take in 1864. And... as a total,
2: total yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, Sorry, is is was that was he black white. or white?
1: Which is even that more is, remarkable. This is white. Okay. Right. This is a white guy, yeah. powerful white congressman. Powerful. He was like the leader of the caucus of the radical Republicans in in Congress. Right. <laughs> and and it's just interesting that there mm-hmm. was a caucus of radical Republicans who were radically progressive. That's mm-hmm. where we were. That's mm-hmm. where that party used to be. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Remarkable. Um, But so the pro slavery conservatives decided to use um, his radicalness to portray Stevens, like, you know, as too radical. So the goal was to undermine the chances that the Congress would ratify the 13th Amendment. So they invited the Mm -hmm. press to the House of Representatives to listen to Thaddeus's speech during which they were sure that he would out himself as ultra-radical, right? He would surely proclaim, Mm -hmm. as he had done many times before, um, what was unthinkable in society at the time, that black men and white men were truly Mm -hmm. equal. But Thaddeus doesn't take the bait. Instead, he limits the basis of his support for the 13th Amendment in this long, eloquent speech to the fact that all men should simply be treated equally under the law, right? He does – he limits that. He does not say – that – the radical thing that would undermine the amendments, right? So I think there's a lesson here for all Mm -hmm. the ideological purists out there. Surely no one would argue that Stevens Mm -hmm. should have tanked the 13th Amendment because it wasn't radical enough or because Stevens had to conceal his true beliefs during the House floor debate, right? Sometimes these are the deals we have to make with evil if our goal is really to reduce human suffering, right? So – That's sort of just to hammer home the point that we're talking about here. And again, this is going to be a – this is such a hobby horse of mine because it drives me crazy that we – on the left, we cannot get together. We cannot – if we could – we're on the right, they are so lockstep because they're fucking fascists, right? They're fine. Oh, my right? They're fucking fascists. (laughs) They literally literally lockstep. They're goose-stepping together (laughs) toward fascism. That's what they do right <laughs> on, on the left we're mm-hmm. all over the place oh i got this and my ideas and your ideas and meanwhile shit doesn't get done and then we have a, then we have president trump and we have all i only really like saying president trump I, we have the fascist trump and everything else you know
2: unless you can fact yeah, yeah. check me and go back earlier when i mentioned Trump, <laughs> but unless i unless i <laughs> slipped up then i made it a point to i have never put the words mm-hmm. president the word president on the same way on the same way I've never, I've consciously
1: even in writing, idea, and, and a lot of times in writing, I won't even capitalize <laughs> no. his for his. I won't even capitalize the T. I purposely put the T like he doesn't deserve that. Fuck, no, that, fuck guy. that guy. He is a literally a wannabe fascist. Ugh. Literally a wannabe fascist. Fuck oh that guy. Oh my god. Um,
2: he's almost worse than a real fascist because he's a fascist only because he thinks that's how he's going definitely. to have power. Like, he doesn't no, care. No, he doesn't no have ideals. ideals.
1: No ideals. At least real fascists have ideals, <sighs> right? At least they, they, they're actually –
2: Right. <laughs> that they stand, stand for, for something.
1: something. Other than ju-
2: – <laughs> He stands for one thing, <laughs> that's and it. that's him. That's it. That's Accumulated tough.
1: power. Yeah. Um, you know what I want to ask you? And uh, so just to give you uh, – uh, a, a question here liz and so i recently had a conversation with uh somebody in my life who shall remain nameless let's call them jan and um jan uh we had a conversation recently and and they were like and they asked me um and i think I give them a little bit of credit for asking me like you know. How do you feel about Juneteenth, right? And there's a part of that that's, and this person's white, by the way. So um, there, there is, so there's a part of that that's kind of very like icky in some sense, right? But, but like, uh, but not really. I mean, really, I'm just, I'm interested. Like, I, I appreciate the person asking me about it, and, and the person was was said something along the lines of, um, you know. I don't know how to feel about this am i supposed to feel jubilant am i supposed to feel reflective um am i supposed to feel um as a, as and also they mentioned that uh, i've i've seen i've gotten uh, marketing emails from black people black business owners that i know in which that in which site mm-hmm. juneteenth as um as or, or that site patronizing patron patronizing patronizing their their business as a good thing to do on Juneteenth um and my answer and so uh so i i have I had an answer to that, I guess it took me a while to get around to, it, and I thought it was a very good question right what how how are we supposed to feel about Juneteenth but I wonder and i'm asking and I understand. And I'm, I guess this is a bit of a challenge. I hope, um, maybe, and and feel free, obviously, not to if you don't feel comfortable getting into it. But um, I'm very interested to know, as a white person, when when you are faced with, all right, here's Juneteenth, like, I, I, like mm-hmm. what and and what goes through your head? Like, what are the feelings you have associated with it? Like. I mean, so I, I, what mm-hmm. I hear from a lot of white people is like, you know, I don't want to screw this up. Right. I, I don't want to be offensive. Um, and, and 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 along those lines, so I don't know what to say on along those lines. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just curious to see, you know, and, and, and be, be very clear. Like, I will not be offended. Right. Like, I mean, I know who you are. I know the kind of person you are. And I feel like when I talk to white people about this, I need to say that because I think that is probably. And I, I, like I said, I have a lot of white people in my life.
2: Because you want to take care of well, our not even that I just
1: want I mean I guess to some extent I've <laughs> I'm definitely I'm definitely socialized to do that um for sure um yeah. but I think uh, more so uh, i I want an honest response and I don't want it to be like to to to, to be mm-hmm. through the lens of I don't want to hurt his feelings right i I can handle it believe right. me I live in right. white I live a black person in white America I'm used to getting my feelings hurt you know so um so anyway yeah. I just I, it, it W- w- and and feel free to be awkward about it. It's perfectly fine. I think that's that's what we're that's the kind of conversation I think we're having. We want to have here, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally agree. Um, thanks mm-hmm. for the question. It is awkward, but you know, it's something I've been thinking a lot about since we had decided that we were going to be discussing Juneteenth. Because um, yeah, one hundred percent. My first response was, "What the mm-hmm. fuck." could I have to contribute to that conversation? And I have concluded nothing, nothing. I have nothing to contribute of value, but (laughs) since you (laughs) asked, um, I guess I've been thinking about it a lot and, and I think there have been kind of several steps of, um, progression as I've progressed through my, my thoughts about it my first one and on, and to be honest, even when it first came Mm -hmm. up last year. Um, At first I was like, oh my God, how has this existed? And I literally never heard of this. Um, So that kind of blew my mind. Um, And then I thought, well, I don't, it was kind of along the lines of what you're saying that I didn't want to say anything for fear of saying the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing or being the wrong thing. And that's kind of where I was at for a while. I mean, really up until we started working mm-hmm. this show out. And I still am in a place where I I strongly feel that my voice does not need to be heard. I do not need to input anything. Um, but I also think that what you are asking is important because I think it is valuable, not just valuable, it mm-hmm. is necessary for all of us, especially those of us in for whatever, in whatever form are in an oppressive role, like me as a white person, Mm -hmm. you as a man, like that aspect of who we are is in a power group. Right. So we need to get comfortable. And we, I mean, I mean white people with Mm. fucking up and being awkward and saying the wrong thing and getting called out and learning how to handle that with grace and just, yeah, to get comfortable with the possibility and not the possibility, the, 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 Mm the likelihood Mm -hmm. that, because you will say the wrong thing. It's guaranteed. At some point you're going to say the wrong thing. You're going to piss somebody off. You're going to hurt somebody's feelings. You're going to be offensive because it's like um, learning about our own whiteness is the first step
0: in Mm -hmm. dismantling
2: white supremacy and if we can't see how we benefit from it then we cannot possibly Mm -hmm. get rid of it right and so you have to see it first and that means sometimes you're gonna get yelled at or you're gonna be dismissed or you're not going to be listened to or you're gonna offend people and you're gonna look like an idiot sometimes and i say this like it's (laughs) easy I'm still very uncomfortable with it, but, um, but it's something that is, and this is, I I think I've alluded to this or mentioned this in previous episodes that for me after Trump was elected and I went to the first women's March and I remember after that, there was a, a real, um, kind of amplification of an issue in white feminism where we were not listening to black women and black voices, um, and not, um, uh, the word is escaping me, but not coming to terms with Mm -hmm. our own racism and the racism of white Mm -hmm. feminism. So in that period, I, I felt like a very deep Mm -hmm. shift in me because for sure, the number of times I would read something that, um, a a black woman would write and I would feel like (laughs) indignant. Well, but that's not me. How could she say that? And really having to like force myself to just sit with discomfort. And it took a while, right? Like I had to kind of like retreat from it a few times and dismiss it. And that's self-preservation. And only after a while and like literally forcing myself to like be in it. um, There's a woman named Rachel Ricketts and we can Mm-hmm. to her stuff in the show notes but she runs um uh, she runs an anti-racism for white people like
1: sure sure sure
2: course basically um so i like i took that oh wow you it's did just, that it felt oh, like oh wow the scales were falling from oh my man i did oh yeah. man
1: i just i just i wish more white people um, would do that i i i so wish more <laughs> white people would take that step
2: i mean i would love to say that it's because i'm a great person but honestly i think it actually if i'm brutally honest that even that stems Mm. from not wanting to fuck up like i was like teach (laughs) me (laughs) to understand what you're saying so that the next time i'm speaking to a black feminist i don't put my foot in my mouth which whatever i guess whatever definitely definitely but um...
1: however it gets to you there
2: (laughs) but yes so, so I was thinking about all these things when I was thinking about Juneteenth and realizing that one of the reasons that I didn't know what to say was because I literally mm-hmm. have no idea what to say, and I don't know if that's because on some level I'm freezing up because mm-hmm. I'm afraid of saying mm-hmm. the wrong thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, oh so my god, that, 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 that was that was
1: that that, like that that was so so helpful, Liz, <laughs> and that that's exactly what I I, I I I wanted to talk to you about, and um and these are exactly the conversations I. I, as a black man, want to have with white people because, um, um, because mm-hmm. I think, I think these are the conversations that move the needle forward. I really think that this is what it is, right? I mean, the combination okay. of you taking that course, which gives you sort of the background, right? Like the gist and like, right? And I don't know what that course mm-hmm. is like, but I'm sure it's very good. And, and, um, uh, that's something that I've considered possibly getting involved in something like that in the future as well. Like, I think that's kind of a cool idea. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, you know, I I think the combination of that and then being prepared to have these kinds of conversations and it doesn't even like, there doesn't have to be some sort of agenda or an outcome that we're looking for. I think it's just getting comfortable having these conversations so that we don't live in such a segregated environment where like everyone we know is either white or black or whatever. Right. Or, um, And I think that's, that's super important. And, and, you know, ironically, there's a way in, uh, I mean, first of all, there's a way in which um, I, I have not done this. And this is sort of my uh, important and this something that's on my list now. uh, And I've been thinking about it is I I haven't done enough or really any independent research into into feminism into um and i i know it from like from from watching it from the outside really you know but i but i feel like if Mm -hmm. i expect and want uh the white people that i know the white people in my life uh and white people in general to to take this kind of stuff seriously and take a course or read a book or whatever that i best be prepared to do that myself Mm -hmm. um and and be and i and i am prepared to do that myself but i haven't done it and i need to do it um so in that sense uh in that sense you're a step ahead of me um for sure you know um it's uh but i i uh, but thanks so much for sharing that. And I, I really hope that of in these talks that we have, that these are moments that we really can be honest with each other about where we, mm-hmm. how we're dealing with this stuff and how we are failing to deal with it and, um, and, and, and everything else. And, um, yeah. I, I think that this is, an interesting dovetail because you were talking about uh, a bit about white fragility there. Right. Um, And so we -hmm. have a few minutes Mm -hmm. left. I don't know. Do you want, do you want, like, we should talk a little bit about your experience maybe with some um, uh, reactive white women.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, So this is something, I mean, if the listener does not know, Defoe and I, we you know, we have conversations leading up to the show to kind of figure out what we want to talk about. And uh, one day, you asked me mm-hmm. what was on my mind, <laughs> and I was in the middle of this sort of like um, online know, mm-hmm. argument. Is too strong a word, but <laughs> a let's call it. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. But somebody had posted something about Alice Roosevelt, who was, um, mm-hmm. you know, the first daughter back in the day. And, uh, I guess she was a a bit of a shit stirrer and just defied a lot of, um, expectations of her gender and, and lived kind of a wild life. And people were talking about, you know, how great she is, blah, blah, blah. But honestly, my first reaction when I read it was like, yeah, she could go to a lot of parties and have funny dogs with weird (laughs) names and never get married. And, She could have a voodoo doll and name it like after her, some, I forget which politician it was, Mm -hmm. some politician she didn't like. And, you know, um, she, and so I just put a little post that said essentially like, yeah, she sounds great, but like, let's keep in mind that her social standing and her wealth really allowed her more wiggle room than your average woman. I really didn't think that was inflammatory. <laughs> I just thought that was like, hey guys, let's not forget mm-hmm, her hair is brown. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's just the fact about her. And uh, I, I was met with some real vitriol from a lot of white women who, who repeatedly equated the word privilege with mm-hmm. no suffering. Or, you know, they're like, well, her mother died in childbirth. Well, you know, one person said, essentially said, rich people have problems, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, r- rich kids get neglected by their parents, so they have real <laughs> struggles, too. And I just, I found myself having to remind people, and that sounds a little bit, I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> But my responses were just... Mm -hmm. Condescending is the word I was looking for. My responses, I just... I was like, how am I still having to say to people, I don't mean to say she didn't suffer in her life. That's not what the word privilege means. And I did realize after... I just, I live in a bit of a, you know, progressive bubble. So I think sometimes <laughs> I forget <laughs> that everyone isn't on the same page. And so I was a little bit taken aback by it, but also just the more, I don't know, the more that I think about it, you know, we talk about the word privilege in terms of, you know, uh, racism and patriarchy and things like that. And, and I feel like it's been discussed even, maybe even ad nauseum in the more progressive arenas, but I felt like as a, as we, we had kind of started to sure. come to a place where people were understanding that privilege doesn't mean.
1: Right. Right. Busy.
2: It just means there are certain things you have that other people don't have, which might allow you to have certain things that they don't have access to. And, but then I, you know, so I was thinking about this I was like, well, you know, this is more like talking mm-hmm. about class privilege really. So maybe that's why there was this response that surprised me yeah. but um but yeah i mean it's it's been a an interesting thing and again like since 2016 this idea of white privilege that is just like it was so mm-hmm. um, earth-shaking to so many people for so long until so we like came to this agreement about right. oh no 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 <laughs> privilege means i live. mean it's like do these people um, think that
1: black women don't yeah. have lose their lose their um kids in childbirth, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, because like, like her argument is like, oh no, well, she lost right. her child. In- right. yeah, but so did a lot of poor black women. So what's, what, what's your fucking point, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> and in fact, black women are right. much more right. likely right. to right. lose their kids. Right. Poor black women are much uh-huh. more likely to lose to lose right. a kid in childbirth, you know? Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> right, right, right. And and like yeah, and, and a couple of people were even like, I don't really understand what that's got to do with it. Like, what's the point in talking about her privilege? And I just wanted to be like, it's not like, it's just, mm-hmm. it gives you a bigger picture, right? And it, and I think in the way that we look at everything,
0: mm-hmm.
2: it's relevant today. Like, this is why you can't, um, you can't look at someone. I don't know, okay, happened. <laughs> I have to like, Formulate my thoughts, but the fact that people completely—in I think it's part of this like mm. mythology of the American dream—that people completely dismiss the concept of privilege. Sure, as a that's a great point.
1: Factor, great point,
2: right? Not and like mm-hmm. literally any kind of privilege is dismissed, yep. even money. Yeah. Like look no, at Trump. Right. He didn't get there because he's no. smart.
1: Exactly, he
2: was born rich always been rich right he's also a white dude um so that was my point Mm -hmm. that's all i'm saying is you can't discuss something in the fullness fullness of its reality and truth if you don't recognize all the facets including privilege (laughs) including Including privilege
1: and and i totally agree with you on that mythology we have in the united states as if everything that you have you've earned Right. And if you don't have anything, you've earned right. that as well. Right. Because that's how we have to just that you deserve that. That's you how we justified that. that's how we justify the stratification of society. That's how we justify poverty. That's how we justify suffering. 100%. We say, well, they
2: Kim fucking Kardashian. Mm-hmm. Let's talk mm-hmm. about Kim Car- Kardashian right, right, right. right now. <laughs> right. Let's get trashy.
1: Yeah. That's right. Recently, her thing, call-
2: yep. her thing about like, yes. The problem with people in this country is nobody wants to work anymore. I just my my jaw hit the floor. I thought, (laughs) honey, honey, you you wouldn't know work exactly. Punched you in the face. I want you to try Mm -hmm. working three minimum wage jobs. I want Mm -hmm. you to just try that for a second, and then tell me about how people don't want to work.
1: Unbelievable.
2: God, that's just completely dismissing. I mean, and that goes. And that ties back into this like yeah. mythology of the American dream that the only thing that you need to do to become Car, a Trump exactly, or a Kardashian exactly. is to exactly. work hard.
1: And yet, that's it. Work harder. Exactly. Just thing. work harder. Work harder. <laughs> be, give more, make more money for the capitalist that's <laughs> right. at the top. Then don't worry. Maybe one day you will be a capitalist. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, and this actually dovetails and mm-hmm. I dovetails a little bit of what we were talking about in terms of this dichotomy. And I think that's another theme that, that, you have brought up multiple times over the course of these conversations and and i think it's so true is that we as human beings like binaries right we like it to be clean cut right if you Mm -hmm. work hard you succeed. If you don't work hard, you fail. But it's just not that simple. Nothing is that simple. I can work my ass off at a minimum wage job, do everything I'm supposed to do. But if I wasn't born with the resources, if I wasn't born with the didn't have the education, I'm going absolutely nowhere. And that is the reality of it. And so with the Mm -hmm. and same time i can be born into a rich a rich a rich world and become president of the united states and just be absolutely mediocre at best right and become president of the united states george w bush if he was just an average guy he would be a mediocre exactly nobody a of. mediocre nobody but he gets to be fucking president of the united uh-huh. states because he was born that and so this like again it, 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 there's so many ways in which this dichotomy manifests. And in terms of the Juneteenth discussion, it manifests like we think that it has to be either a solemn holiday or it has to be a jubilant holiday. It, those both things can exist in the same holiday they do mm-hmm. for Memorial Day. And we talked to you and I, it, everything, everything has Every, this dichotomy.
2: Yeah. Yep, 100%. Makes us
1: uncomfortable. If we don't
2: like it. It makes us uncomfortable. Exactly. We're like, tell us what to do. I mean, even somebody mm-hmm. saying to you, like, how should exactly. I feel about Juneteenth? Exactly. Give me the formula. Yes. I mean, that's why exactly. religion exists too. I mean, yep. right? Give me the playbook.
1: Exactly. Just How give me I the rule book and then I won't yeah. fuck it up. Right. And that goes back to what we were talking about on the on on the way up to this, mm. on, on the way up uh, as we were ramping up to this conversation, right, is, um you know, this idea and this is so fundamentally human that we care about what people think about us. No matter what we think, no matter what we say, no matter Mm -hmm. what we project, we care about what people think of us. And if we fuck up, you know, right, it's built into our biology. We're afraid of being ostracized because ostracization means death. It means, right, that's what it means. Fundamentally, in our lizard brains, that's what it means. And the last thing we want to do is be ostracized. So we don't want to fuck it up. So we want rules clear rules but the problem is that Mm -hmm. being human is fundamentally Mm -hmm. not clear (laughs) it's just not it's just not right we really are we're
2: messy messy people (laughs) we contain multitudes and we can we can never be just one thing and then the other thing too is that you're you're looking to someone to give you the rules. Then let's ask the question: Who's making the rules? Exactly, exactly. And what are they getting out of it? Right? Like it spirals out of control very really fast that way. Because
1: if you're looking for rules, you're looking for somebody to give you rules, <laughs> right? And then now you have go- you have gurus, exactly. right? You exactly. have right? You have prophets. You have right? this is where cults come from, right?
2: Mm. And this ties nicely back into your own (laughs) experiences and look at that.
1: Circle. Full circle. circle. And but look at that, we are just at about an hour too. So it's like really just we put together the perfect, perfect show. Perfect circle. That was a perfect perfect show. Welcome back. I hope that you enjoyed the uh, Defoe and Liz segment. Um, and we are now just going to wrap up the show. I want to give um, each of you the opportunity to, to give some final thoughts. Uh, Sean, you want to kick us off?
3: Sure. I just, I, I enjoyed that segment about Juneteenth. And I wanted to bring up one other thing that I don't think you guys talked about or or maybe even heard about, but it really struck me. And it was, the there was an insurance agency and you know, Juneteenth is a federal holiday and they had to close. And so they put some snarky thing in their window sign about, you know, Juneteenth, whatever, you know, enjoy your fried chicken and collard greens. And it was just awful. And and I wrote about this because it was so appalling. And the the, I think it was progressive and maybe travelers, they decided to stop doing business with them. And so they're, they're being, mm. people are being punished, but the fact, the idea that someone would trivialize. Uh, something so monumental and such a solemn occasion. Because remember, I mean, American plantations were gulags and there's family separation. There's hundreds of years of abuse. There's a, and finally there's a, there's, there's freedom. And now there's a federal holiday, many, many decades too late, <laughs> you know, hundreds of years mm-hmm. too late, I guess. Mm-hmm. And that this is what someone decides they want to do. And I just, to me, I mean, I, I'm um, not a first amendment fundamentalist. I don't think people should be allowed to say things like that. I think it should be more than just losing your business. I think if you say something like that, th- there should be, you know, uh, beyond social ostracism, maybe even, maybe even jail. I don't know, but it is so appalling and it's such peak white privilege that you would trivialize something so important to a group of people that at no cost to you, right? At no cost to you it doesn't it doesn't there's there's not a price for being um generous and genteel and and decent a decent human being and that's that's all I got to say
1: yeah uh, fair enough, good point Sean. good point Ugh. I go ahead, go ahead, Liz
2: Well, I mean to that end, I think that is important to think about in terms of Juneteenth in terms of abortion, in terms of all this progress that we want in this country people are afraid of change change is hard for people and and i think even more so right now when we're we're in living in literally completely different realities there's no communication going on and it's going to be even harder to win hearts and minds going forward so um maybe what we're you know what we're seeing with with all these huge events that are happening in the last few years is just where maybe we're pushing to that point of explosion where it's like mm-hmm. everything has literally been stripped away and, um, people are getting to the point where they have nothing to lose and yeah. it's just going to come to a head. So I don't, I don't know, but I do think that it's important that we remember that these incremental changes like Juneteenth and that people will push back there. They have a hard time with this, but we have to keep going. We have to keep going and Every, every, we have to celebrate every win because they may be small. That's right. But it's what's going to sustain us. You know, and there's a reason like Moms mm. and Action, their motto is keep going because it's not going to happen in the big, loud, flashy moments. It's going to happen behind the scenes and quietly. People who just don't stop. They just don't stop and they keep going. And I think if we can bring anything away from this, I think oh, that wow. is what yeah. it should be is keep going.
1: I I'm think that I can't that thank you so else. much for that, Liz. <laughs> I think that I can't think of a better sentiment here and uh, right is it, it's just, and I'll just say that this is a marathon, not a sprint. This is a war, not a battle. Um, right. We will. Right. We we are. And we 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 are on our heels right now we are on our heels we are fighting at best to rear guard action as we withdraw um but we have to think then as strategically how we move forward first of all take care of ourselves so that we can fight if you don't have if, if you're if your people if your soldiers if you're if they're not fed and and mentally and emotionally prepared to fight you lose no matter what so it has to start there And 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 then we take it to the next step of figuring out what we're going to do. And I think that as you know, I'm sure that there'll be so much written and talked about and we'll all think about this more. This is all so fresh. Um, I'm sure there'll be another episode about this issue. So, again, everybody, thank you so much for being here. And remember that if you like our show to make sure to subscribe, leave a review, check out our Patreon and tell your friends to listen. New episodes post Mondays at noon Eastern on YouTube and all the major podcast channels. And you should check out our journal at TheRadicalSecular.com. I'm Christoph Defoe. Thank you for being here. And remember, wherever you are, you can be radically secular.
0: The Secular Podcast is written and produced by Christoph Defo, Sean Prophet, and Joe Okipinti. Logo and main title design by Tim Stetner. Post production and original theme music by Sean Prophet. Special thanks to our support team: Lindsey Brightman, Gillian Sky Jacobs, and Lori Field Okipinti.